Hi guys, Callum Williamson here. Um, thanks for listening to this. What I'm going to be going through today and over the next few days or the next few weeks, depending on when these videos are released, are a couple of FAQs that I get asked a lot and that the team get asked a lot um, when it comes to buying property from overseas as someone living and working overseas. So without further ado, um, let's crack on. Number one, um, first and foremost, the one we always get asked is, can I get a mortgage? I've heard it's impossible. My friend tried to get one. They had no luck. I've tried. I, I, when I was home over Christmas, I went and spoke to Nat West and I couldn't get one there. I went and spoke to HSBC, couldn't get one there. The answer is yes, you can. It's really simple. You need to make sure you're working with, you know, a broker or someone that specializes in working with overseas people. You know, generally going back over Christmas and going into your high street bank and asking for a mortgage. If you tell them you live overseas, they go, oh, you know, because they have enough business coming in from people that live in the UK. So you need to work with a broker. That doesn't need to be us. You know, that can be any broker that's familiar with working with expats. And then what do you need to, to, to provide to get it? It's, it's pretty straightforward. The way they judge it and um, when you're an expat is they judge it on your for your affordability. So your earnings and, um, and so how do you prove that? You need three months pay slips and three months bank statements. Sometimes they'll ask for up to six months, but that's it. You know, and if, if you've got good enough affordability and good earnings and you can prove that, which most international people do, then you should be okay. On top of that, you'll need um, a passport and a proof of address just to prove where you live and prove you're not a wanted person or um, prove you are who you say you are. So that's it. Yes, you can. You know, pretty straightforward. Make sure you work with the right people. If you'd like to find out any more, then please get in touch with myself, the team, whoever it may be via email or on our socials or LinkedIn or whatever it may be. Second on the list, I would say, is what size deposit do I need? Very good question. I'll give you a quick example. I was uh, speaking to a lady in Qatar, a international teacher. She works in Qatar at a, an international school there. I was given her number by a friend of hers. And so we were just texting on WhatsApp and she sent me this lovely message saying, look, I'm trying to buy back home in Liverpool, but I really don't know what's going on. You know, I've been told a 10% deposit, a 15% deposit, and worst case, a 20% deposit. Um, she said, I hope it's not 20 because, you know, I can't afford a 20% deposit at the moment. And I said, well, unfortunately it's, it should be 20 as a minimum. As an expat, 20 is the sort of bare minimum lenders will look at when they're looking to give you a mortgage. And ideally, you need to be going up to 25 or 30 if you can. Obviously, that large deposit you put down, the lower the mortgage will be and, and the better mortgage terms you'll get. So just be conscious of that. But deposit-wise, yeah, 20 30%, guys. And really, you, you can't really go much lower than that as, a, as an expat, unfortunately. But it's, it's pretty clear-cut. So, you know, once you get to 20, you should be okay. The third most common, or maybe not the third most common, but a common one is residential versus buy-to-let. What is residential versus BTL buy-to-let? So just to explain the difference quickly, residential is where you're buying a house to live in it yourself. It'll be your residence. And buy-to-let, the name says it all, I suppose, it's when you're buying to let it out. So you buy it, you put a tenant in there, it's pure investment. So those are the differences. Why does it matter? Well, 
it matters when it comes to getting a mortgage. Um, when you're getting a residential property, you need a residential mortgage. When you're getting a buy-to-let, you need a buy-to-let mortgage. Now, you know, we've heard stories about people that had a, a home that was their residence back in the UK. They've moved overseas and then they've, you know, they've let it out with someone and they've kept it on a residential mortgage. That's fine if you can get away with it. Technically, you shouldn't do it, but it's up to you. Does it matter to us? Not really. I would say, if anything, a buy-to-let mortgage is slightly easier to get, um, especially from overseas, because what what banks and lenders will do is they'll actually look at the income that you'll get from that property and, and see if that will cover the mortgage rather than just you when it comes to residential. So um, there you go. Difference between residential and buy-to-let and why it matters. If you've got any questions, please get in touch um, and let us know if you'd like to speak. Thanks. The fourth FAQ I thought we'd go to, uh, go through, even not go to, is uh, when is the right time to buy and should I buy now? Uh, is the time right? Whew, good question. I mean, there's always a reason for to, not to buy. You know, there's always something which has a wait and let's see what happens. But I was speaking to a lawyer, a lady over in Dubai recently. And she said, she came up with a great quote that I hadn't heard before, but it's great. Um, it's when it comes to property, it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. So it's, it's not about when you enter and when you get out. It's about getting in and staying in. So the important thing is you get in and you stay in. You know, with property, there's a clear property cycle. If you look at property prices every 14 to 18 years, we have a cycle where we have a, a trough, a peak, trough, growth phase to another peak. Um, so as long as you're buying to hold it, you're going to ride out any sort of uh, 14 to 18 year period and, and you're going to be fine. You know, if you're trying to time the market and you get in at the wrong time and then you try and get out six months later, then, you know, then you may run into a bit of trouble. But if you're buying and holding, which I think uh, a lot of first-time buyers, a lot of people we speak to are doing because they're trying to build an income or they're trying to build a pension, then, you know, it's it's time in, not timing. So when's a good time? Who knows? But as long as you're, you're getting in and, and, and you're, you're holding, then, you know, you should be okay. Uh, there we go, guys. Thank you very much for listening to that. Those are a couple of FAQs, uh, common ones for sure. If you'd like to hear our opinion on any more FAQs or any questions you personally have, then chuck them in the comments. If there are comments down there, I'm not sure where this is going. Um, <laughs> or um, or email us or LinkedIn us or whatever it may be, you know, and, and we'd be happy to, to do those in another video or to, to get in touch and speak to you um, direct. So thanks very much for listening and um, hopefully speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye.